Hello, everybody. Welcome once again as we continue on in our study of the New Testament. We've been working through the New Testament for over four years. Um, we are going to start tonight in the book of James. We counted the other week. We're 42, to, 42 weeks away from being finished um, with our study of the New Testament. And then we'll jump into the New Testament together. And that'll take 15 years. And then we'll jump into the New Testament again. The importance of studying this way is, is looking at Scripture in context, and, and that's a big deal. We, we have to be able to look at it to figure out who was being written to, and under what situation was it being written, and, and then um, keep all the verses in context as to what they mean, so that, so that we know how they fit and we don't start taking things out of context and try and get the Bible to say something we don't want it to, or we, you know, it doesn't really say. And so as we look to the New Testament together, we've been able to hold it in this, this great context. It's been really helpful. You know, we looked at the, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, um, Luke, we looked at John, we looked at the book of Acts, and then um, we've been working from there through um, Paul's letters because of the missionary journeys, and um, we did all of Paul's letters, and then we did the book of Hebrews, I'm not sure of the author on that one, and um, now we're going to do the book of James to put this book in context. Um, James is thought to be the earliest of all of the letters that were written uh, in the New Testament. It's the earliest one. Um, it, it was written, they believe, around 45 A.D., um, maybe as late as 48 A.D., but the, uh, it was written to the church in Jerusalem that would have still been thriving at the time and not being persecuted yet, um, either by the, the Romans to any significant degree or um, the established Jewish community. When the church first started, they were actually sort of tolerated in the synagogues and stuff as um, like another sect, if you would, um, like the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Essenes. They, they just sort of labeled the people that were following after Jesus and called them the way, and they were still tolerated in the synagogues for the season. And then um, they were, as the persecution from Rome started to come up, so so did it from the established. So um, it was written back then, the earliest probably of all the letters written in the New Testament. Um, it was written by James, and this is the Lord's brother James, not James the Apostle. Um, there's a lot of verses in the The Apostle James was martyred in around 44 and if you look at the history of James, you know that um, initially he didn't believe in, in Jesus and who he was and what that looked like. But he's starting to get hot. I got the sound of the okay. Run up upstairs and tell them that it's just too long and he's just going to try and Um, so uh, he didn't first believe in Jesus, but after the resurrection, he came to believe in Jesus and actually became um, one of the premier leaders in the church at Jerusalem. Um, he was called Camelmes, is what he is known because apparently he developed these big palaces on his knees from spending so much time in prayer. And so he's referred to um, in church history as Camelmes, kind of a I, not very flattering, but not bad, I guess. You know, if you're going to be called something, Camel Knees is as good as anything. 
for that reason. Uh, and, and the theme of the book of James is it's really faith, but uh, unlike Paul's letters, it's really not about a saving faith or justifying faith. Um, it's more of a practical faith as it applies to the way we're to live out this life in Christ. And what you have to do when you look at James is remember who it was being written to. It was being written a lot like the book of Hebrews was to um, people who had grown up with an understanding of the Old Testament and prophecy and the scripture as they knew it and had accepted Jesus as their Messiah. Um, but they had a good background. They had a, they had a wealth of uh, sort of background coming into this thing that the people that Paul was ministering to didn't have. And so, so Paul had to, to come at things in a completely different way. Um, you know, one of the comparisons I've heard is like Paul was, was um, like teaching birthing classes and, and um, James was teaching toddlers uh, uh, because they had to come at it from completely different things because over time in parts of the been struggles in the church because sometimes people don't like James um, especially at the time of the Reformation um, when Martin Luther was, was um, protesting which is how we can be right with Protestants because of Martin Luther he protested the Catholic Church at the time because they were um, in a bad spot in their history, not that they're always mad, but in their history, they were selling indulgences and they were doing a lot of bad things because they had a very good at the time. Um, said that kind of works is all about you know, you face and started why we have why we have Protestant because the works are never about to be saved, they're about practical living as believers. And so sometimes it looks like what Paul wrote and what James wrote are different things, but they're not. They're all heading in the same direction. Um, they're just being written to different audiences who would come at them differently because of where they were at and their walk. So you know, people brand new into this thing from a Gentile background um, couldn't present to them the same way you would to an established community that had grown up you know, in, in effect, in the scripture, so it's different. James is not evangelistic. It's not, evangelistic it's not one of the ones you would give to somebody that is trying to find out who you know, you know, them to the gospel of John and some false stuff. But to someone who had grown up, it was it's a, it's a great way of looking at how we're supposed to live this life. So that's what we're going to look at. Another thing you'll see when we read through James in structure, in a lot of ways, it's like the book of Proverbs because it's filled with these little practical pieces on how to live. Um, sort of short expectations on a variety of subjects about how to live this life. So let's read through James 1 and then, um, and then we'll talk about it a little bit. And, uh, 27 verses, beginning at verse 1. I'll read it to you. I'm reading out of the NIV. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God. He gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. 
The brother in humble circumstances ought to take pride in his high position. But the one who is rich should take pride in his low position because he will pass away like a wild plant. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich man will fade away even while he goes about his business. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when, by his own evil desire, he is dragged away and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly light, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. The man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the words planted in you which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror, and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks at. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard but doing it, will be blessed in what he does. If anyone uh, considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. And blessed be the word of the Lord. Okay, so there's a lot of stuff going on in James. And like I said, in, in a lot of ways, it's like Proverbs. He's, he's hitting us with a lot of different things about how we're supposed to live. And they're, they're pieces of lifestyle advice is what it looks like. And so we'll, we'll talk about them just briefly. The first four verses, um, James says something pretty interesting. He says this about life, that trials will happen. Um, the wording there is explicit. It doesn't say if they happen. It says trials will happen. And um, how we deal with trials in life has everything to do with how we see our life in Christ. And, and the reality, I think, is our focus, our perspective, um, is our focus on the temporaries and on the eternal. Really, where your focus is how well you handle the difficult situations in your life. Because all of us are God can use them. Um, we don't have to blame them for Him. It's a fallen world and a broken planet. Um, but how we understand it all will help us through the process. And, and so a lot of that to me is perspective. Where is our time we live in the temporary, but it can't be the most important thing. It needs to be having an eternal perspective, a firmer perspective, and then allowing, you know, from that to experience a full life now, and a full and abundant life is what Jesus can give. But that doesn't mean a life that doesn't ever have to Oftentimes, we would, we would see 
it's going to be always good to watch. And I said to you, in our nature, we talked about this in the weekend. We do want to be happy. It's not a bad thing. Good trials are going to happen. Part of the deal. And then he goes on and he says in verses 5 through 8, and this is good news, that, that God is with us and that God is for us. In fact, that's what he's saying. And that we can go to him for wisdom on how to best handle any difficult situations we encounter. Isn't that good to know? Um, that, that you can go to God for wisdom and it says he'll give it to you. That's a pretty good deal. If you would know how to handle things best. Where we end up messed up most of the time is this. Rather than go to God in difficult situations for wisdom, we try and figure out what we think we need to get done, and then we try and get God to go along with that. Does that, make, does that sound like anything you might do? That's normally what we do, right? Here's a situation, we think about it, and then we figure out this is how I would handle it, and then we try and get God to go along with it. And we're like, God, here's a situation, and really, if I could just win the lotto, this would be a non-issue. So if you could just make that happen, that would be cool. I'm going to go from that. You know, you have a lot of stuff like that. And, and you got to go around the But, you know, the, the thing is, you, you get out of, you know, order. And, and again, it goes right back to the beginning. Things happen. And where's our perspective? But when you hit a situation, what we, what we really need to do is ask God. We need to pray, God, what do you want me to do in this situation? Not, God, I'm trying to get you to do what I want you to do. What do you want me to do? And again, quicker way to find life is to move into that, and that, that we can trust Him, um, that He's good, and, and uh, He'll give us direction. I, you know, God is so faithful in, in our lives. I mean, do you, you realize how present He really is? I mean, have, you, have you really stopped and thought about um, how often God is moving and, and if you, if you start getting sensitive to Him, I mean, to the to thing, you know, you, you almost can tell things are... If you're about to move into a situation and it shows up or somebody says something and you, you start to say about something and you see doors open. I mean, God is very present in the way that He helps us and we just need to be open to it and not be anxious. And, you know, I love that in person. It's in my morning devotion every day. Do not be anxious in my religion. I mean, everything, my prayer, the church, the Thanksgiving, the adventure, the to God, and the peace of God, and the and the and the I'm the brother that I'm the 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 that just that one verse. I think about that verse a lot. Let the gentleness be evident to all. That's a pretty significant verse. I've been contemplating on that. That would be quite a testament. If you really could get the rest of what's going around there in context working in your life. But, but you know what? In a situation, maybe it's a 
James is saying the same thing. Listen, if you're in a situation, realize you can go and ask God for wisdom, and He'll give it to you. And you can trust Him or not. And sometimes you don't. I don't know if you're saying you have to trust Him. And I am confident you that you can trust Him. Um, then he goes on in verses 9 to 11, and um, the point that he's making there is that our identity is in Christ now. Our identity is found in Christ. And we're not defined by our riches or by our poverty. Um, success in the kingdom is not measured by, by the things that the world measures success in. It's, it's not measured by wealth and possessions or the lack thereof. Um, in the kingdom of God, success is really all about running the race that God has for you. Figuring out what is really is for you and then doing it to the best of your ability. That's, that's what it looks like in the kingdom. And, and so it was a huge uh, shift in dynamics for the established religious community because their concept was that if you were rich, it meant that you were blessed by God, and if you were poor, it means that you weren't, and something must be wrong. And that's where, that was how it went to mind. But in Christ, all that got undone, and, and, and that wasn't the defining factor at all. And that, that now in Christ, our identity is in Him, and, and ultimately all of us are rich because we can find so, you know, it's about finding what God wants you to do and doing that. But in Christ, now we're on each other. Then in verses 12 through 15, um, he starts talking about temptations. You know, all these wisdom, lifestyle, sound bites. Um, and, and temptations exist. The world's broken. The planet, you know, it's a broken planet. The world's fallen. Um, but the, the thing is, we don't have to give in to temptation. Um, we can choose to live by doing the next right thing. And when we choose to do that, He will empower us and meet us there to help us in the process. Um, he, he always makes a way out, and He always helps us through if we choose to do that. And the whole thing there about temptation is you, can't, you don't, you know, you, you don't want to blame God. He said the, the, the reality is that the, the seed of that is in us. And this that, mountain and it sort of gets stirred up, and what we do is when we can get in trouble. And if we fall through on it and it gets up, that's when we're in the and so he's saying, you don't have to, you know, now in Christ, you don't have to get into the from being in bondage to understanding slavery. But you still have to choose which direction you are. But if you choose to do a good way, then verses 16 through 18. And, and again, the idea behind those verses is that God wants the best for us. And that's part of the process. You have to know that God is for you. He wants the best for you. Jesus came. We've looked at that, that, that we can ask for an abundant now and forever life. And so he's, he's, he wants the very best for you, his children. And uh, he's with you and for you. And you know, every, the verses are every good and perfect gift is from God. And that's part of the he wants us to be a person to God's He wants to be the best for us in this process. Even in the midst of living in a fallen world and broken things, and that thing happens, we make bad choices. God is still for us and wants to be the best. Then, verses 19 through 21, some interesting verses. Listen. Everybody should be quick to listen. Slow to speak, slow to become angry. These are some great, great verses, I think. Because uh, it's so unlike what we do for the most part. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life of God. 
quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. I would then submit to you that culturally we got that I would say that you never quit. You're, you're, you're quick not to listen. We never slow about speaking. We almost think that everybody always wants to hear us. And, and uh, we get angry just like that. Would you say that's fairly true culturally? Are in that dynamic? Is that kind of a normal thing? Anybody else get angry just like that? I found a new angry spot when I got it. You hear about it? I'm really having to work on it. It used to be, you know, here in different places, and I resolved it. There's a new spot coming now, down in Key West. And when you go down to Key West, there's a spot where you have two lanes now, which is nice for the island, but at the traffic light, it gets down to one lane. It goes through, and if you're not in that lane, you have to turn left. Anybody else ever been to Key West and experienced this recently? Okay, now, if you, if you know about the situation, as much as you don't want to, you're to pull over into that right lane, which usually is a pretty long way because you're going straight to it. But there's people. There's people who shoot down that other lane, knowing that they should stop and move over who don't and punch it right all the way through to the end. Okay. So that's on them. Um, and I would have to confess that I did do that one time and I felt so guilty about it that I couldn't do it anymore. Well, I sit over there and wait. But, but, and I'm, I'm, I'm confessing that. I've been working on it. The first time I was waiting, I could feel my anger. Just over that. Really, it's nothing, right? It's perspective. But I'm having to wait maybe 10 minutes. 30? Okay. They're down there all the time. I'm not condemning anyone that does it. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying. I'm just trying to hear where little flashpoints come up. But the first time they happen, I'm really angry. And then... I don't know how you guys do it, just confessing again. Then I decide, and remember, I'm a pastor, and I love people. I decide that no matter what, when I get to that closest spot, after I've been waiting 10 minutes, there's no way anybody's getting in in front of me. And now I'm on that bumper in front of me, man, like Lou. And I'm almost going to cause an accident, because I'm on it. There's not going to be a crack, there's not going to be a look. There's not going to be, I don't care if there's a hands hanging out the windows, I'm going to ignore it like I can't see it, like please let us in. No! <clears throat> That's not right, right? But do you get it? I'm just trying to give you something to how quick we already get angry. That's, isn't that, I mean, the reality is I could have had to walk down there from Big Pine or something. You know, I did, and I got to drive all the way in the car in the air conditioning, and it's still sitting in an air conditioned car. And uh, my time is a bad day, oh my God. And it's so I, I really work on letting people in. I really do purposely work on not trying to be like that, but it's really hard for me. Um, so, so now you have a, now you have a, there's an actual hands on example, all right, of how quickly you can get angry. So just think about it in your own life. I think we're like that. We get angry over silly things quickly. And the, the James's admonition is the exact opposite. Okay, so he says, first thing we're supposed to do is be quick to listen. Again, I, I always like to talk about this. Um, our culture at this point in time is desperate, desperate for people that will listen. Nobody listens. And in fact, we go so far as to pay huge amounts of money to have someone that will sit in a room with them and listen. Uh, huge amounts. There's no one else to listen. They can't get anybody to listen. 
Before we've ever listened, because all they really wanted to do was come on, listen, please. You don't even let them before we start thinking about how we're going to fix them. And we start going on broadcast and speaking, and you just listen to them. Most of the many, many things would be really changing your Just listen to them. It's not about you. Then, verses 22 to 25, practically, we're supposed to live with the Word of God. We're not only supposed to be here, God, we're supposed to live. Remember, He's talking to people who knew it their whole lives, and now the, the admonition in Christ is we go out and do it. The exhortation is go, go do this. Live this out. He says it. That's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to try and live that out. And then finally there in the last day, 26 and 27, our life in Christ isn't about rituals and rules, it's about loving God and loving and loving ourselves. And it's right in that, that we get out of our own sort of stuff and start caring about, caring about the needs of others. And, and again, that was also part of listening to So a lot of practical stuff throughout the book of James, but that's pretty good chunk. And so um, I think that's enough. I'd like to you know, read the one this week and think about those things and sort of meditate on some of those verses and uh, how they can apply to your life and what you're So that's enough tonight for watching. I'm television and my video. Thank you so much. We appreciate your time. You know how valuable it is. And uh, we'd love for you to come and visit sometimes. Thank you.